Good morning, beautiful people. Happy Thursday. Can you believe it's already Thursday? I cannot believe that. And I think it's because I was away and I came back on a Monday. So it's like, you know, how you have a holiday and you have the Monday off and then then your Monday becomes your Tuesday and you just don't ever get right after that. <laughs> That's my day today. <laughs> That's my life today. I hope everybody's well. I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, a couple of things. Uh, and let me just say, wherever Harry is, um, you are in our prayers, Harry. And thank you, Nora, for uh, holding down the fort. I appreciate you. I appreciate you greatly. And uh, Paul Bass is not doing word on the street because he's got something else to do. <laughs> that That's exactly the text I got this morning. Uh, I'm not doing word on the street. I have something else to do. <laughs> We, we keep it casual in these parts. We keep it casual. <laughs> so, so no word on the street today. Uh, but if you want word on the street, go back and look at uh, that the ones that we did uh, last this week, the last week, and read them. There's, you know, good, good slices of stories about what is going, well, about the people that make New Haven go. Um, so I wanted to, uh, yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of the Sandy Hook, and I I was talking a little bit about it um, um, just before Paul um, jumped in with Word on the Street, and then I never returned to it. Uh, 10 years is a long time, and we've had 10 years of thought about this meditation, and like a thousand more shootings, mass shootings since then, uh, like 600. So, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, when I say a thousand, I'm not, I'm not way off. I'm just not. So I was thinking about that, and I was quite moved by uh, Susan Clinard's um, sculpture, artwork, piece of art that she did for her own self. Because you know, we all when, when we get stunning news like that, we all have to figure out tools to cope, to deal with, to uh, round us out. And uh, and so she created a piece of artwork, and it was purely for herself, purely for herself. Um, and then I guess uh, it found its way to a church in Sandy Hook, and it has become part of the, the permanent installation. And she went up yesterday and was moved by the service. She went up yesterday to take pictures, and she ended up being moved by by the service. Um, so it is hanging. It is hanging uh, at, at the church. I think the Rose Rose Lima, and uh, it's a beautiful piece of sculpture. As only she can do. I mean, she's so very, very talented. Um, and I believe it's a canoe with all the folks that all the children and their teachers that were killed at Sandy Hook. Um, it's quite arresting, you know. And when I, I look at it, I was just like, well, maybe they're on their way to heaven, or maybe they're on their way to Never Never Land, or maybe they're on their way to the future, or maybe they're on their way to the galaxy. Um, and I know we've had mass shootings since. I, I mean, we have. But for me, the Sandy Hook will always be the one where we drop the ball, where we just, in this country, drop the ball on real conversation about firearms control and who should have access to firearms. So I, so I just, I still feel some kind of way. So whenever I, whenever I, uh, 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 whenever I see uh, 
whenever I see a mass shooting or hear about a mass shooting, I just forever ride back to Sandy Hook. No disrespect to the people who are killed in the current uh, shooting massacres. No, no, no disrespect. But I, I will all forever be stuck 10 years ago with those babies. They all would be, I guess, graduated college, high school and on their way to and halfway through college by now. Right? 10 years or something, or 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 at least halfway to high school, because they were little, little kids. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that just to put it in the airwaves that um, every time there's a mass shooting, my heart goes always back to that. Always back to that. So, um, and then we got the news that uh, Twitch, um, death by suicide, um, took his own life and uh, in a hotel room with a gun. <sighs> this is the season that wears people down, I think. You know, the season that brings so much hope oftentimes is a season that brings so much pain. And and I know people like to say, oh, if you feel some kind of way, make a call. And you And people absolutely should make that call to the suicide hotline, particularly if you're having suicidal idolations. You know, if you start thinking about, well, what if I'm not here? And what if I die? And I should just die and no one cares. And, you know, I, I, I get that. Make the call, reach out to somebody. Don't just sit there and wallow in whatever it is that has brought you to that break. Uh, uh, but I just, I just think when people just say it off the cuff like that, like just make a call, you know, it's almost like brushing it off. And I know people don't mean to do that. I think people think that the more we say it, that the more people can hear it, the better we'll be. I, I, I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that we as humans have to do better to extend ourselves to each other. That's just the heart of it. You know, I, I keep seeing these studies where people are more lonely now than they've ever been in the history of mankind. How is that possible? How is that possible when we have so many things to connect us, that the world is much smaller now because of the gadgets we hold, the gadgets that allow us to share and send information? How is it possible that this is the loneliest time? In America, in in the world, in world history, and how is this time? How is it possible that this particular time in the seasons is the most painful for people? What are we doing with one another, and what are we doing to one another? That for me is the overarching question. Like we 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 can't have a future without love, people. We cannot have a future if we don't love one another. There's no future. I don't care how much Afro beautiful art digital work we create. If we don't love anybody and love ourselves and love forward and reach back and love back and love sideways and love upside down, there's no future. If we don't love this planet, there's no future. If we don't love our neighbors, there is no future. There is no future. There's no Afro future. There's no Latin future. There is no white future. There is no future. And I think people, I think for me, that's the message that I want to say. Not 
and I, and I don't, it's not a blame thing. It's not like, oh, somebody should have noticed his well-being. Well, how could you? He was dancing with his wife on the video the day before, happy, doing what he does best, what he is called to do. And then the next day, boom. I, I'm not here to talk about how we notice things because we don't, we, we, we don't have to notice things to be good humans to people who are suffering. Like, what if we just extended our hearts and courtesy to people just because? Not because they are in need, because we are all in need. Not because we think something is happening, because something is always happening. How do we, how do we, how do we sow ourselves to each other in such a way that there'll be no need for people to get in those desperate moments? What if we create an environment in the world and, and communities where uh, everybody feels seen, heard, believed, loved, felt, and understood? How do we make that possible? I think that's the ultimate Christmas wish for me. That is the ultimate Christmas wish. That is the ultimate Christmas wish. And so I, I stand in that space. Uh, what can I do? How can I make the world better? How can I do it? How can I do it? So I'm thinking about that. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. Uh, so, yes. So while, you know, our hearts are always going to be broken, right? Like, just anytime you turn on the news, you're going to have heartbreak. But what do we do with that? What do we do with that heartbreak? And 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 we don't know Twitch, right? Like he's not in our, he's in somebody's family, but he's not in my family. And so when I say, oh, my heart breaks and I offer my prayers, what else can I do? That's that that's like a ripple in a pond here. That could be a ripple in a pond here. So I'm gonna think about that into the new year. How to be, how to build better community. I think I'm always thinking about building better community. I think that's why the porch has become its own cultural hub, its own magnet of sorts for all kinds of people to come and just be Southern <laughs> and, and fellowship with folks. Like it's just a wonderful way to sit and just be without, you know, you don't have to dress up, you have to do anything. Just show up and sit down and laugh and joke and let the breeze wash you know blow over you and see the kids run up and down the street and you know catch foolish foolishness and see the folks young people and the old people walking the dogs and um and that's that's how you watch the world uh but there's got to be so many ways in which we all can make community not just for ourselves but yes for ourselves but for our neighbors and 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 who is our neighbor? Every everybody on the planet is our neighbor. Not just the person that lives upstairs or downstairs or across the street. It's and. And it's and the person that lives across the street and the person that lives around the corner and the person that lives across town and the person that lives in the neighboring town and in the neighboring state and in the neighboring region and in the neighboring world, continent and the neighboring country in the neighboring galaxy we, we can we can we can do better and so 
I think when we have things happen in this season, I, I do believe that it is opportunity for us to be reminded of how fragile we all are, that we're all so fragile. We're physically fragile and we're mentally fragile. Things hurt us, things weaken us, things break us, you know. And everybody thinks that they're the only ones that has a broken heart or they think they're the only ones struggling or they think they're the only ones with depression or anxiety or feeling low or feeling bad. You know, like you don't know, (laughs) just you have no idea what people are feeling. And when you just think you're the only one, you're just stuck in your own story. You are just in your own head, making up what you think somebody imagines about you. And they're not. They are doing the best that they can with what they have, with where they are. That's the part that people don't get. People get so self-centered about their own pain. (laughs) And in being so self-centered in their own pain causes more pain, not only for them, but for the communities that they're in. So I always tell people, get up out of that pain. You You know what? I always tell people, and I say this all the time. I even said it to my kids. You know, when they start lamenting about some ish that I didn't do for them as children or something they missed out on or they think they deserved or whatever. I was like, well, you know what? Give it to yourself. Give yourself what you need. I've learned this such a long time ago that it is a part of how I walk in the world. If there's something that I need and I feel like I didn't get, I give it to myself. And that's not a, a physical thing. That is a spiritual commitment. You know, I had a bad father. So I don't date bad men. You know what I do? I date good men who give me what I need. That's it. Now, yes, I've dated bad men. <laughs> but I've not dated bad men lately. Because I've figured out. I figured out that I, I don't waste my time just because somebody is interested. Your interest is not of interest to me. (laughs) I don't don't jump at somebody because they think I'm cute or they're dazzled by the smile or the sound of the voice. I'm I'm not moved by that. What I'm moved by is your humanity and and how you are in the world. That's what I find attractive. So I say all this to say that You give yourself what you need. Don't go looking for whatever it is you think you want outside of yourself because you'll never find it. That's the whole story of the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy, you always had the power. If I would have told you, you would have believed me. (laughs) Dorothy, you always had the power. The power was always within you. To go home was always always your right and your choice. You concocted this whole story about how to get there, da 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 da, because you didn't believe that it was so simple as saying, I want to go home and click your damn heels three times and get on out of here. <laughs> I'm just saying. So when you look outside of yourself for fulfillment, for love, for happiness, for joy, you'll never find it. You'll always be looking. You'll always be chasing fool's gold. You'll always be chasing. Because everything, everything, every thought, every idea, every notion, every ability, everything starts from within. 
We are all granted talent and opportunity. Everybody on this planet, even if they don't think they could see it, even if they don't think they could believe it, even in the most dire dire circumstances, you can dream your way out of just about anything. And you can put dreams into action just by writing them down. And you can put dreams into action just by putting them in the universe. And by putting them in the universe, offering them as prayers or having conversations with folks who understand who you are, what you are, because you never know. You never know where a whisper will go. You never know who hears the whisper or who can respond to the whisper. You never know who can make your dream come true. You never know. There could be people out there who who will hear something and say, you know what? I could do something about that and go do something about that. I know people with a great deal of money who do amazing things with money and gift people and do things and help organizations with money. And it's a beautiful thing. And they don't do it for the applaud or the accolades or whatever. They don't. They quietly go about being wonderful people. And then I know some asshole people who don't give a damn about nobody, that they spend their time complaining about things that have nothing to do with their everyday practical lives. And instead of helping be part of the solution, they are indeed the problem. I know a lot of people like that. I hope that I fall somewhere in the middle. (laughs) I don't ever want to be a problem. Uh, I don't know if I am the solution either. But I, I tell you what I am willing to do is to stand in the gap till help comes. That's all I could do. I could. I can stand in the gap till help comes, however long that takes. I have stamina for that. I do. I have real stamina for that. I'm not easily frustrated, easily annoyed, but not easily frustrated. I'm a Taurus. Takes a long time for us to burn. <laughs> you know, Tauruses, we can sit in the pasture all day under a shady tree and just, you know, meander in the meadow. <laughs> Where are there other other folks can't do that. They're like, oh my God, when when is it coming? You know, everybody else, you know, all the other kids is running to the window looking for Santa. I'm in my bed like, ah, he'll be here. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> How is that child? I was like, I'm not sitting there waiting for Santa. And I tried it, sit in the window and wait for Santa. And then I, I wake up in my bed. My mother would say, oh, you missed him. You fell asleep. And then I started to think, I'll just go to sleep. <laughs> he, I don't have to do anything for Santa to come, right? He doesn't need to see to the, you know, leave out cookies and milk and go on to bed. So, so I'm just, so I just think that this is the season I think where we can really do some good with each other and for each other. That's, I think that's the whole thing of this. When thinking about the Sandy Hook children and teachers uh, thinking about uh, Twitch um, and that sense of, I mean, I, I think about Kate Spade periodically. I mean, who, who, who was more on top of the world than Kate Spade of the a booming empire and, you know, making all those beautiful things that people love, love to collect and have. And I just admired her. I thought she was, you know, she mother with little kids. And, I mean, I just thought she was, I still admire her. I, my admiration for her didn't end because she uh, committed suicide or took her life by suicide. 
my admiration is still very much alive and her business is still very much alive. So, I mean, I've had a great many people in my life commit suicide, a great many, um, you know, Rebecca, uh, who helped when Margot arrived and it was very good. We're helping with Brianna and Margot when they were little girls and they don't remember her. Um, she was Jane, my, my girlfriend, Jane Grossman's sister. Um, she worked for me for a time when I was running uh, uh, the, the Housing Authority nonprofit. And uh, and she was uh, my campaign manager when I launched my second run. Um, and uh, and she, she died by suicide. And it was just the most painful thing. It's still painful, you know. And she, she had a lot of troubles that I didn't think, I didn't know about. I knew she had some layers, but I didn't know the depth of those layers, as we don't know with people anyway. So her, I, I had an ex-boyfriend, an old boyfriend from like high school commit uh, death by suicide. Uh, this was years, years late, much, many years later. Um, I, I identify him as my boyfriend because he was my boyfriend, but when he died, he was not, he was already, he was married and whole thing. And, and, uh, and he died. And I, I was struck by that because I remember him being such uh, a person that had such imagination and, um, yes, there was a bit of melancholy to him, but there was always a sense of a, a faraway dream. Um, and so I found that stunning because I always thought, I would see him again, not in a romantic way, but just see him in passing and catch up. I never did. So, I mean, there's quite a few, I have quite a few folks in my life who I know and have known. Um, and it has, and it has always brought me back to this place of, I thought I would see them again. Like I thought, that I would get round to seeing them again because I always felt like that we had unfinished business. So when we said goodbye, it was not really goodbye. It was, I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And later turns into years and years and years and years. And then you get news and then you realize that you won't, you know? So so I'm thinking about that, the Sandy Hook children, and I'm thinking about Twitch, and I'm thinking about Kate Spade, and I'm thinking, I mean, there's so many people I can name, lots and lots of people, but those are the ones that stand out to me in the biggest way. I mean, Kate Spade, several years back, but still, still. So yes, I've got my morning ritual. I got my my uh, my organic uh, ginger tea and organic green tea tea mixed. And I'm drinking them every day. So I'm trying to drink two glasses of this, two cups every day. So I do one now. And then when I have my break at 10, I'll have another one. I've got a good guest this morning. I got my friend... And love Tanya Poole Hughes, who is the executive director of the Commission on Human Rights here in Connecticut. And they did a study, and we're gonna come, we're gonna start pulling that apart. And um, and we she's gonna start coming on regularly to just start talking about 
some uh, human rights kinds of things because I care deeply about that kind of stuff. So she's going to be on regularly, sort of like how Anru comes on. She's going to come on too. And she's going to just talk about uh, whatever's going on at CHRO and what they're working on because um, there's some things coming through and uh, that I think uh, y'all would be interested in knowing. I know I am. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about the study and why the study was done. And I'll tell you about the study later. Uh, but just know at 10.15, Tanya Poole Hughes, the executive director of uh, the Commission on Human Rights here in Connecticut, will be my guest. So I'm looking forward to talking. Plus, I haven't seen her in a minute. <laughs> I saw her somewhere. I don't know. We were in passing. I saw her at some event. And I said, hey, you got to be on my show. I haven't seen you in a minute. And then as soon as I said that, I, I uh, it popped up in my history that um, she was on like a while ago. So it's time for her to come back on. I think I, what did I see? I think I saw her at the Lynx Gala, the Lynx celebration at the Omni. I think that's where I saw her. I think her and her table. Anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing her. And just hearing how she's doing. And, and if she spent any time on the vineyard this summer, last summer. Because that's sometimes I catch her over there too. Anyway, that's that's the thing. That is all the things. So let me see what else is going on. Let me see what's going on in in this wonderful wild city of ours. A nor'easter is coming. So I'm going to cancel all my plans this evening. (laughs) Because I do not want to be out in the elements. I don't want to be driving. uh, I just don't want to be driving in the elements. So I'm like, and it's supposed to start like at five. And I just don't want to be out there. So I'm going to cancel all my commitments uh, for after four o'clock and I'll reschedule them. And I think tomorrow, tomorrow's a different animal. So we'll see. We'll see what it looks like tomorrow, day and evening. I might have to cancel those too. I did have a lovely talk with my girlfriend, Carissa Van Tassel, who is um, on the verge of becoming an empty nester. <laughs> She's got one more child at the house. and then. You know, they're going to either have to downsize or she's going to have to fill them rooms with some hobbies. <laughs> so anyway, and plus she should come back on because she is an award-winning noted photographer and I love her work. Uh, I am starting to really enjoy tea in the morning. I never, it wasn't like I disliked tea. I love tea. I was drinking tea since I was a child. But now I just drink it without stuff in it. You know. Uh, so the city, the city has a mental health coordinator, um, Lorna Mitchell, the city hall's first ever community mental health coordinator, uh, five months into her job. Okay. So she's, uh, focused, focused on building peer to peer emotional support systems and a shortage in formal clinical services. Okay. Whatever city hall. Uh, Hill Sea Town Eye Supermarket Expansion. I actually like Sea Town. They have good food, and they always have. Um, that you know, they're one of these grocery stores that understands community. It understands the community it serves. Unlike a lot of stores, or maybe other stores, understand the community they serve, and 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 I need to recognize that I'm not the community they're serving. Maybe that's more the truth. So, but anyway, C-Town, uh, the Kimberly, the Kimberly Square uh, supermarket. Um, so 
um, they're going to get more parking spaces and tearing down a two-family home to expand. Okay. I always get a little nervous when we start talking about tearing down housing, but the way this city is building housing that is unaffordable, inaffordable, not affordable, is uh, giving me pause. And speaking of that, a ground broken on 398 new apartments. Oh, that's at the Munson, uh, Munson over there in Munson. Munson and Winchester, you know, that whole triangle, that whole little area across from Science Park. Okay. Well, so a, a dozen New York City-based developers, investors, and local officials dug in and tossed ceremonial shovels full of dirt as a team of hard-headed construction workers behind them continued transforming a 13-acre former contaminated industrial site into 398 new places to live. Okay. No, I just I, I just never trust that when things are contaminated for that long, that you can just uncontaminate them. I don't know. But, you know, the thing is, you won't know for another 10 years or 20 years. You know, if you start seeing weird clusters of cancers and, you know, like like in Hamden and Newhallville, like the Newhallville to Hamden. I, I just. OK. Well, we'll see. Uh, and then Bryce Lady has a piece up about um, the best video. Um, they had a, 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 a filming and a discussion on Linda Cohen's Jewish identity. So, uh, so that's pretty good. Uh, the Winter Festive, Betsy Ross Arts Magnet School prepares for in-person holiday performance. I just love to see children just perform. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, and, uh, oh, uh, Honda Smith is doing such amazing work over there at the shack. Um, I guess she got a big donation, money, toy, and food donations at the community center. I think one year she got robbed. They Somebody broke in and stole all the stuff. But this year, you know, they're uh, they're doing some stuff, so that, you know she's a good example of what somebody can do when they care deeply about their community and 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 need to see some things happen. I can't wait for somebody else to come in and figure that out. She just was like, "Let me put my head down." And she raised children, so there's that. And now she's uh, and I believe she's older out there too. So <sighs> anyway. Uh, and if you want to see the debates and what everybody's uh, up in arms about, uh, go to the New Haven Independent and click on today's debates. It'll give you a sense of what people are fussing about. <laughs> well, maybe not fussing. Well, no, maybe fussing. What's on their hearts and minds? Like, what are they interested in? What are they talking about? You know. Uh, anyway. Uh, high five to uh, the New Haven Independent for... Uh, uh, New Haven uh, article about arrested teacher recognized by the uh, education reporting watchdog, The Grade. So if you want to know more about that, go to New Haven Independent and read it. Quite interesting. Although people chimed in and uh, I don't know if they 
read the whole story. Mm. But anyway, uh, check that out. So lots of interesting stuff. And I think we're winding down for the holiday at some point. I think we I think we take a collective break. The the New Haven Independent and the radio station. Uh see if Harry was here, he would just tell me definitively. <laughs> and if Paul was listening, but Paul's out doing something other than word on the street. Uh but we'll let you know. Uh I'm gonna post a uh a schedule for caroling for next week. I think we could get one or two days in if the weather cooperates. Yeah, just an hour singing, you know, dashing through the snow and a one horse open sleigh, laughing all the way. Ah, ha, 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 ha. That's not how that goes, but yeah. Forgive the pauses. I'm drinking tea and you cannot talk and drink at the same time. Unless you want to like spill hot tea all over yourself. And that I do not wish to do. So I think I could get, um, uh, I think I could get a couple of days in of caroling, maybe two days, just an hour. Good people. Just an hour. Uh, I have to find who won the world. I mean, the, uh, between the Netherlands and Morocco. Let me, let me go look at world cup results. Because I was holding out for those two um, teams. Um, I don't want that. Let's see who won. Oh, oh, they still, they still. We still got more games for playoffs. Okay, let me see. Uh, let me, let me, let me, let me find uh, World Cup results. Because <laughs> I don't want to join their site. I don't I don't want to um I don't want to sign up because God knows what, what that rabbit hole will be like. So I'm not I'm not doing that. So and you know, since I have my nails are growing, it is harder to uh do searches. So let me see. Oh, no. France beat Morocco 2-0. I could could I sing could I sing some a cappella Mariah? Who would want to hear that? <laughs> okay, so uh the 24th and the 24th of December through the 1st of January. And can we have some live are the funniest only if you sing with me nora <laughs> only if you sing okay so argentina beat croatia i was going for morocco to beat france damn it but france beat so uh okay so i guess uh the game sunday the winner takes all will be uh france and argentina now i gotta now i gotta show where my loyalties lie where are my loyalties let me go look at the team this time this time i decide what team has the most black players 
Tell me the team that has the most black players, and that's the team I'm rooting for. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh God. I'm just like, stop, stop it. Let me see. Let me see. I'm looking look at soccer 24. Uh no. See, all these things that want you to join them. I don't want to join them. Okay, let me just go to sport. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So uh Okay, so it's going to be Argentina and France. Let me look at these teams. I can tell you who I'm going for. Argentina. <laughs> Let me look at the Argentina national football team. Who they got? They just list names. I need a photo. Let me get a picture. Ugh. So many. Um, uh, I didn't even know they had a women's soccer. So now I got to go follow that too. Um, let me see. Let me see. So they got they've got a list, but they don't have a group picture. That's just gonna bother me. I need like I need like a group picture. Argentina, Argentina. Argentina. Let me see. Let me let me take a look. You see, uh-oh, I see a lot of people of color. This looking like it's going to be a tough one to call. Argentina versus France. Oh man. Now, now I got to now I got to when I get to my office I'm going to just look it up. Cuz they look like they got equal numbers of people of color on these teams. <laughs> I know that's I know that's a I don't think it's a terrible way to go. Um I can't make up my mind, so I'm going with the ones that got the, the most people of color on it. And by people of color, I mean people of color. So but they look like they might be matched, matched, matched. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna watch because I think the game is Sunday, which would be a nice day to be home catching some of the um some of the games you know so here's a little uh fresh snow fact fresh snow absorbs sound lowering ambient noise over a landscape because the trapped air between snowflakes uh attenuates vibration that's why it gets so quiet when it snows and that's what i like that's why when i when i I was living in my house house in Beaver Hill. I'd love to go out and snow at daybreak because it would be just so quiet. Like you could hear your own heartbeat. It was so quiet. Now I know why. There's a science to that thing. There is a science to that. So, so yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the first snow where I don't have to be in it. And uh, out, you know what I mean? Like, I like snow when I'm not in it and have to drive in it. If I have to be out in it, I don't like it. <laughs> I want it to snow, snow, snow. Then by the time I have to be in it, let it be all gone. 
That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Mike Moran takes such beautiful pictures. I mean, I, I have to just run up on him and be like, can I buy some of these little photos and hang them up? Because they're so beautiful. I mean, they really are beautiful. So, you know, they are really so beautiful. And I, and I always take my breath away. High five to uh, Gary Winfield out this morning. He was at Hill Central. Welcome the young people to school. High five, Senator Winfield. I don't know how you do it out here in this cold weather. I know, hat, gloves, scars, I get it. <laughs> but he was at Hill Central this morning. And he, and he, de- he, uh, he, um, he, he, uh, Facebook lives it. So, so you, so you can feel like you're there. Although I know he would appreciate it if you actually brought your behind out there with him. Um, that would be a good thing. But anyway, uh, so high five to that. He's still doing it. He's still doing, uh, because you matter. And, uh, I, I don't think people understand. So I think that's the beginning of, of how we support one another, how we show up for one another. You might think it's like, oh, does that really make a difference? It absolutely does make a difference. And you don't know what kid it makes a difference for that, you know, they could be coming home from a situation and 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 maybe not even coming from a situation, but come from a well-appointed home where everything is fine. But, you know, you just need a little extra. So you get off the bus and there's people saying, hey, you matter. Have a good day. That's that's a good deed for anybody. You don't got to be struggling. You don't got to be a youth at risk. You could just be somebody who's like, you know what? I feel that. <laughs> you know, we have got to get out of this mindset of, you know, attending to a specific whatever because we think they need more. Nope. You, you, we attend to all of us. There's enough for all of us. We don't have to parse out love. You don't have to parse out good feeling or well-wishing. You don't have to parse any of that out. You can fully give love. You know what? You have enough love for, for everything. <laughs> you have enough love. Listen, if you got one kid, you got enough love for one kid. You got two kids, you got enough love for two kids. You got three, four, five, six, 20 kids. You got enough love for 20 kids. And it'll all look different for each kid. It all look different. It's not the, it's not the, it's the same love, but it's not the same love. It's love, but it, it looks, it shows up different. It feels different on everybody, you know. You know, that's how I feel. So, so yeah, so there's enough out there. So high five, Senator Winfield, for keeping this alive, for for doing this work, for reaching in and holding up. Uh, a good morning <laughs> to any who to any child that can receive it, and and I and I know there there'll be kids who will come up to you from years from now and say, you know, when you used to come to my school and say good morning on front of we get off the bus, I I internalized that and it, it made me get through the day. Do you know what I mean? Like you just don't know, you just don't. We don't know how things uh, uh, like a ripple on a pond. How things reverberate <laughs> across things, you know, how people, how we carry goodness and then, and then lay it somewhere and then somebody else picks it up and then somebody else takes that goodness. That's how that works, right? That's how that works. So high five, high five to that. So he keeps doing it and it is well received. And I'm glad. 
we all have our things. We all have our parts to play in this thing called life. We all have our role to 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 support in the game of humanity, right? So suit up, <laughs> get out here, do your part. <laughs> Let's all win because we all can win. I don't know if I can endure a second cup of tea this morning. We'll see. Woo! I'm drinking it though, I'm getting it in. And then I'll work out, do my little workout before I run out of here to the uh, inner city. It's Thursday, so I got to do some studying. So I'm going to take my, my my big book bag. I'm going to study when I get to the office um, because the paper has already been put to bed. Uh, and it should be hitting the streets uh, probably now. And uh, that's it. <laughs> that is that is it. And then I got today and tomorrow. We'll see what the weather brings. Uh, I'm going to send a message to my friends and say, listen, if it starts raining, I'm not going to make it out there for dinner uh, because I don't want to be caught up in this nor'easter uh, coming home, you know. So, so I might have to just catch you on the rebound because there's so much going on, so much going on, which is, uh, you know, all well and good. So. You know, try as we might, try as we we must. Sometimes we just can't pull a thing off. But it won't be for not for trying, right? It won't be for lack of trying. Sometimes we just can't. I think there's a there's a line in the in the movie that um, um, Morgan Freeman is the president of the. Uh, I think it's you know one of those one of those uh, dystopian films where the world is ending and. Uh, and he's the president, and he says, you know, God answers all pray- prayers. Sometimes the answer is no. And I, I tell you, that has stayed with me forever and a day. God answers all prayers. And sometimes the answer is no. And I think that's a hard thing because I think people believe if they just, if the prayer is just, that it, it should it should be granted, you know. And that's a hard one to to wrap your brain around when the answer is no. And, and would you think that God is not responding? You know, and so you would just, you, or maybe you just assume that the answer is no, but maybe the answer is uh, yes to something else. Maybe it's no to that moment, but yes in that moment to another direction, you know. But that has stuck with me all these years, and I, and I, and I have molded over and uh, went into contemplative thought about it and discernment and all those that those kinds of things. And I, I think, I think I just sort of figured it out just in this moment that sometimes that yes, the answer is no to that particular thing, but maybe the answer is yes in another way. So. I don't know. Get get to get to your prayers, people, and work that out. <laughs> God answers all prayers. Sometimes the answer is no, and, and 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 I think it's no in a way that we think about no, but it might not be no in the way that God sort of has this three sixty view, three hundred and sixty degree view of life, and and so what may look like a no on first glance could be a yes in another way. So that's that's how I work that out. 
I just did I just did that spiritual workout just now because for the longest time I just held the belief that if God says no it's no and no is no and no is no in human life in human time but I think in God's light uh what is a no you know what is a no in God's light you know and and how do we how do we position ourselves for the understanding of God's light uh, outside of our human understanding of yes and no. Hmm. And these, my friends, are big picture, discernible, contemplative things <laughs> that I that I love wrestling with, to tell you the truth. Like I love, you know. And then you know theologians and all the folks who like will point to scripture and all that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna point to scripture in this moment because I'd be here all day uh, uh, pointing to scripture. But but I, I am I, I I do look to moments in the Bible where yes it was a no but it wasn't a no it was a no but it was a redirection into another into a yes but a by way of another way. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So, so anyway, um, Nora's gonna put the call letters on, play a little Christmas music. I'll be back with uh, Tanya Poole Hughes, Executive Director of the Commission on um, Human Rights uh, here in Connecticut. And uh, no, I'm not singing a cappella. <laughs> All I want for Christmas is you. I don't want a lot for Christmas. <laughs> There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the stockings underneath the Christmas tree. I don't even think that's right. <laughs> now we're going to get sued by Mariah Carey for changing the lyrics of her song. <laughs> So anyway, I'll be back on the other side, beautiful people. <laughs> oh, if the kids have to get the COVID vaccine for school, my five-year-old starts kindergarten this year. It's not required, but I did get mine vaccinated to be on the safe side. There were several cases of COVID in the classes this year, and I'm happy they all stayed healthy. I just keep wondering if the COVID vaccine is the right thing for my child. I understand fully, and from what I've seen, there's been no major issues with my friends or their children. The COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective, and it improves people's lives. Thanks to this vaccine, there is less spread and fewer symptoms reported by those who get infected. Now everyone over the age of six months can get it, and no appointment is necessary. Find out more at nhvvax.com, nhvvax.com. Make summer safer. Protect your family from COVID-19. Anyone over nine months old can get vaxxed. No appointment necessary. Visit nhvvax.com. That's nhvvax.com for everything you need to know. I'm New Haven Health Director Marissa Bond. If you or your family have COVID-19 symptoms or think you were exposed to someone with COVID, quarantine, stay home, and get tested on day five if possible. If you have COVID, isolate, wear a mask, vaccinate, get boosted, and tested as needed. Those are the best ways to stop the spread of COVID. 
At this time, we are vaccinating everyone ages 5 and up. Stay safe, New Haven. Hi, this is Babs Rawls-Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.
Director of the Commission on Human Rights. Hello, darling. Unmute yourself. I am muted. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I don't know what's going on. Okay, here we go. I, I feel like I have not talked to you. I mean, I think the last time I ran into you, we were at the Lynx Gala. And I said, you know, it's time for you to come back on and catch up and talk. And Absolutely. how are you? Doing so great, so busy though. It's been so crazy trying to fit everything in. So many things <laughs> going on personally as well as at the agency. So, okay, you know. okay. Well, um, uh, your assistants and you got a bunch of them over there that were very helpful with coordinating your time this morning. Thank yeah. them very much, um, Thank Anna you. and da Darren or Darius. Darian, yes, Darian. she's my new secretary. Yes, we have quite a few new staff at CHRO recently okay. so all right so so i i know i wanted to talk about the study because i was reading a little bit about it so i guess there's a study to see if connecticut has been doing business fairly is that correct do i understand this well the disparities disparity study is a study that is needed to determine whether or not we're grounded on some of the laws that we're currently enforcing. Right now, we have a set-aside program at the state that sets aside 25% of state contracting um, for small businesses, and then 25% of that is set aside for minority businesses. Mm -hmm. And so what the study is going to do is determine whether or not those numbers are accurate. The study is going to collect more data and demonstrate any evidence of any kind of discrimination and disparity in access to state contracting. So, so did, this, did the study happen because you were getting complaints that maybe Connecticut wasn't doing doing right by minority contractors or maybe Connecticut was having a tough time with hitting hitting what they say they were going to hit in in their laws like how, right. how did the study come apart come about well that's part of it but the study should be done every five years oh okay okay in Connecticut it's been 30. oh <laughs> it's been 30. So when people complain that maybe those numbers are not accurate, it, it, that's a fair complaint, right? But we also get a lot of complaints from minority contractors who are saying they are not getting access to the state contracting business. And we need to know why, you know, are there an available number of minority contractors in certain areas available to do those projects? And if they are, we want to make certain that they have an opportunity to do the job. Wow. All right. So, so how do you start the study? Like, do you hire an independent um, consultant to come in and set this up? Like, how does this work at this level? 
You're, you're muted. I don't know why I'm having trouble with this uh, technology this morning, Babs. Um, we worked with the Department of Administrative Services to uh, procure a national organization who is an expert in the field. We researched nationally for months and we studied all of their uh, bids. We uh, developed a bid that was going to make certain that what company we procured would have the expertise as well as the experience to mm. do the study. Um, it's a very expensive study. It's going to cost the state about $2 million to do it. And so we wanted to make certain that it was done perfectly. And we believe we got the best company to do it. It's a company out of Atlanta. It's African-American based, but that just happened to be the case because it was a blind search. We didn't mm -hmm. know who the, the people were when they submitted the information. And then we did, um, we got together for months uh, going over all of the specs, put them into a matrix, made certain everything was calculated. And so we think we, we got the best people for the job. And so, so, so do you say to the Connecticut business landscape, uh, this is what we're doing, and, uh, and do they get input in, into this process? Well, you're asking all the right questions. <laughs> yes, we do say to the Connecticut landscape, this is what we're doing. We've had several public meetings where we've invited the public to come and their, their meetings are held via Zoom. And uh, we had hundreds of people to come talk about what their concerns were, what they were experiencing in the state. And then we have set up a website on our portal. It's at uh, portal.ct.gov slash disparity study. And you can go to our CHRO website to gain access to that. Mm -hmm. And um, you can input information. You can sign up to be interviewed. They want to speak with as many people and entities as possible. So we've reached out to the NAACP. We've reached out to minority con contractors, um, organizations, all kinds of organizations across the state to make certain that everybody's input is included. And so how long do you think this will take? Tanya? It should take about two years from start to finish. And they started this summer. So I would say uh, 24, summer of 2024 should be. Okay. All right. So so whatever comes back from this study, you're going to have to implement something. So we will. Uh, will you be prepared to do that? Like depending on the nature of the information that comes back. Yes, we are prepared to do that. Um, the legislature granted us funds to not only conduct the study, but to hire staff to implement it. And so the study is required to examine whether or not there's significant statistical evidence of past or continuing discrimination in the awarding of contracts. It also is required to examine the number of small contractors or MBEs that are qualified or eligible for state contracts. And, and in order to be eligible, they have to be certified through the state. Um, CHRO does not certify them. They would have to go through DAS for certification. But um, once they're certified, 
This study will determine whether those businesses are legitimate small businesses or legitimately owned by members of a minority. And then the study will also determine um, our contracting processes to determine whether or not there are any intentional or um, existing barriers in the process that prevent small and minority contractors from being able to bid. Mm. So, so it's been 30 years since the last study has been done. And so, so like, how do you, how do, how, so is this under, does this fall on your lap? Did you inherit this? I inherited it. When I came on board as executive director almost 10 years ago, um, the legislature had assigned the study to be conducted by another entity. But instead of doing the disparity study, what they did was a deep dive into whether or not we needed a disparity study. <laughs> Our position was, we need the study, do the study. You know, what are we waiting for? We're wasting time. But we're finally here. We're ready for the study is on board. We've got the staff in place. We've hired additional staff to do the data entry. You know, it's going to be very voluminous gathering data from all of the different state agencies and all of our partnering agencies as well so so since we have not collected this kind of data in 30 years mm -hmm. i would imagine tanya that mm -hmm. it's not going to be flattering <laughs> i, don't think I mean i don't know i don't know i don't think yeah i don't think it's i don't know i don't even want to predict what it is but it probably is not going to be flattering um there are certain ways that the state has try to encourage uh, minority and small business participation. Um, our agency regularly goes through the newspaper to find out what kind of contracts are out there because the whole process needs to be re reconfigured. You know, okay. we have to look for where the contracts are as opposed to them automatically submitting the plans to us to make certain that they're you know, qualified and, and, and following all of the state requirements. So there's a lot to be done, but I'm so excited about this study and what the results will determine because all we need is for you to tell us what it is and then we can implement it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is just one more thing on your plate. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything to do. I'm just wasting time every day, you know, <laughs> But I mean, the is... study is so important, Babs, because while we have the numbers um, stating 25% and then 25% of that, it's not grounded in the data. And in order for it to be able to uphold any kind of constitutional challenges, we need this data. And so this will give us all of the footing we need if we are ever challenged and have to go into court. And that's the beauty of the company that we solicited. None of their disparity studies have ever been challenged. They've okay. all been upheld. And so we have the best study underway right now. So, so is the business climate excited about this study? I mean, what they're are they? Excited. I mean, what do you hear? <laughs> oh, they're excited. There, I, I think the minority businesses are more excited. Um, I think some of the the majority businesses have gotten away with business as usual. You know, 
not that they're intentionally trying to discriminate, but people get in the habit of giving business to people they know. And if you're not in that intimate circle, you're not going to get the bid. And we need to make it open and available to everybody in an equitable manner. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, that is a lot. So so it's underway or you're getting underway. underway. Yeah, and, it's underway. Uh, it's <laughs> underway. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> may be calling you soon. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've uh, you, you're having hearings, right? Zoom hearings. We're having hearings. There are meetings. We're um, more one-on-one -on -one at this point. The hearings already took place. And so now it's the deep dive work where they're actually procuring the information and the data, requiring people to submit volumes and volumes and volumes of data. And they have all of the technology to comb through it and extrapolate all of the important information. So, so what is the legislative body feeling about this study? I mean, I know that the governor, I believe, is supportive of the this. The governor is very supportive of it. It was a bipartisan uh, effort, and they supported it financially, which is a big statement. You know, it, it, if there's no money, then there's no support. And the fact that they put some money on it, yeah. the money is in the account. It's already been issued. So <laughs> put the money, put your money where your mouth is, or you ain't saying nothing, right? <laughs> so okay, so that's good. So you've got legislative support, you've got the mayor's support. And so now you just uh you go through the the paces of collecting the data, hearing from people that this impacts, um, and then pulling it all together and then submitting a coming coming forward with a report of some sort. Correct. And and what we're trying to do is be as transparent as possible. I think transparency is so important in the work that we do. People need to trust that the information is valid, that it's true, and it hasn't been manipulated. And so uh, we're open if people have any questions. Again, I want to provide that website. It is uh, portal.ct.gov slash disparity study. There's also a phone number they can call if they have questions, 860-541-3400. We have staff available to man the call as well as to uh, review the website and make certain that we're keeping up with any information. Wow, that's a lot. So, uh, so I want to talk about, and, and I'm glad that we spent a good, a good amount of time talking about this um, disparity study, because that's very important. Yes. Um, and that might change how business is done in Connecticut for the better. Yes, yes I, I'm thinking. So. Yes. But and I'm thinking that we'll also be a model for other states on how oh, to do it right. That's a good idea, particularly mm -hmm. states that might be resistant to. Um, so are you finding that, um, that um, Connecticut is making an effort to become a business friendly state? Because I hear so much about Connecticut not being one of the better places to do business because there seems to be um, some misunderstandings in terms of uh, regulation, climate, right. climate in terms of business climate and 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 what needs to happen. So do you right. think we're a business? I think that's person? been probably the biggest um, model of the Lamont administration is that he has been promoting business friendly activities, business friendly way of doing um, our work with the state. He's trying to, I guess, 
make everything more consistent and um, accessible mm -hmm. and regulated and but not in a overly burdensome way and it's starting to pan out things are starting you know as you can see the budget was was pretty sound uh, we've been able to hire positions that we weren't able to in the past we've done a lot of work um, with our social media and diversity and inclusion and getting you know information out to the public about what we do and and that has also been very helpful um, getting the word to businesses. We've been training businesses. Our sexual harassment training has trained millions in the state. Um, and we just released a new domestic violence training. Oh, uh, so now yes. you have to wade into those waters. We're wading into those waters as well. Yes. So tell me, because um, I used to do sexual harassment trainings and sexual assault trainings. Um, has anything changed in the last few years since you've been doing this work? Like, are you seeing people sort of understanding what sexual harassment is? That's a good question, Babs. It's so interesting because every time people take our training for the first time, many of them get the answers wrong. People are much too casual, I think, in the office and everybody has different sensitivities. And so people have to be very careful about how they conduct themselves in the office, because what you may think may be mild and innocuous, another person may be highly offended by it. And so if you keep the work focused on work, your conduct focused on work and a little less of the playfulness, not that you don't want congeniality in the office, you want people to be congenial and friendly, but sometimes people go just a little too far. And mm. so I think our training has helped people to see where you can go over those lines. Okay. Mm. I, I'm, I'm always struck by that too, that, 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 um, uh, that workspaces, I guess over the last couple of decades have become more family-like rather than strict. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? And and COVID, I think, has probably made it even worse because many people are working from home, so they aren't putting on their work garments. And usually when you're dressed in your business attire, you conduct yourself in your business conduct, right? But when you're home in your sweats and your jeans, you get a little bit more relaxed. And I think that has played into some of the workplace conduct as well. Wow. So tell me about the domestic violence part and, and how does that play into, uh, how do you train people for that? Like what, what are you looking for? What should they be looking for? What should they know? So we had um, new legislation this year um, that was released and they should, um, they can file complaints alleging um, domestic violence, uh, violations of domestic violence, and they should know that it doesn't have to be just uh, an act of physical assault. It can be mental as well as physical. It can be um, financial um, type of things where someone is um, controlling your finances and you're in a relationship with them. And so there are different levels to domestic violence. And it's 
on a case-by-case level, so I wouldn't want to put it into any box, but they should really contact our office to see exactly what their rights are and how they can go about filing a complaint with us. They can file a complaint alleging discrimination as long as the incident has occurred within 300 days and they can um, come to one of our four offices. We have an office in Bridgeport, Waterbury, Hartford, as well as in Norwich. And if they're not able to come in person, we accommodate you. We can do appointments over the phone. We can um, help develop the complaint for them. So we don't want them to be um, you know, hesitant about coming to see us. So who is this for? Is it for people who are working or or is it broader than that? It's broader than that. Um, it, this is for um, people who are working. But we file, we have complaints that you can file in uh, public accommodation and other areas. And so I think they should really contact our office and speak with an intake officer because every case is unique. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. So that's another thing that you're putting on your plate, right? So you have to get your teams yes. staffed up for and trained for uh, because domestic violence is so for a very long time has just been relegated to being at home and, and and spousal kinds of relationship, partnership kinds of things. Exactly. And the training, it requires, um, it's it was passed uh, PA 22-82, and it requires, it's a new protected class of victims of domestic violence, and it requires state employees to take one hour of online training. And so, like you said, that's something new on our plate. The training is available on our website. Um, the effective date was October 1st, and um, it must include information about what domestic vi- violence is, what are its signs, and how it impacts the workplace, and what the legal protections there are for those affected by it. Mm. And it's affect so many people are affected by it that you would not even imagine. I'm sure you know. I I, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I find this to be a, a good step in the right direction because as yes. I said before, these matters was never brought to, to, to this level. Like never. Because, because who are primarily the victims and, and women aren't generally important or have not been. <laughs> <laughs> but we're that changing part. that trajectory. We're yes, changing yes. that. Yes, yes. So, so Tanya, tell me, are we are we still using language like affirmative action? Are we still? Is that still part of 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 the work that you do? It's still part of the work that we do, and it's still important. It's still important. We have to be intentional about this. Um, dis- discrimination has existed as long as people have been around and it doesn't seem to be going away. Right. right. And so unless we take affirmative steps to end it, that's what affirmative action is. Intentional steps to end it. It's not going anywhere. And, and in the state, they've tried to minimize the importance of affirmative action. They've tried to get us to agree to one singular affirmative action plan for the state. We can't have that because we have to do a deep dive into every agency to make certain that 
equitable opportunities are provided in every level for everyone in terms of recruitment, in terms of hiring, in terms of opportunities for growth once you're on the job, how you're treated on the job. Affirmative action plays into all of that. Because, mm. I, you know, the new language right now is equity and inclusion. Like everybody's hiring equity and inclusion officers and vice presidents and everybody's doing that. And I, I hear less and less and less about affirmative action. So I was just wondering if that if are, are we blending that, are we melding that into one thing? Are I'm we so forgetting you, about affirmative action? Like I think we are. I think some people are relying on the equity and inclusion and they put a period there. But it it's not a period. It's a living program, right? So once you get the equity part, the inclusion is the big piece. <laughs> once you get there, it's not enough that you're there. But once you get to the table, do I have a voice? Am I being seen in the programming? You know, I'm here on, on the role, but do I have a real impact in the work that's being done at this organization? And so that's the affirmative action part. Okay, because I, I, I've been wondering about this since that since I've seen um, uh, equity and inclusion pop up in so many places, and so many people are putting dedicated yes. uh, uh, equity and inclusion officers and vice presidents and deans and all this other kind of stuff in place, which I which I love, which right. I think is necessary because that it means is. you are committed to paying attention to what you are not doing or lacking in your. Uh, environment, your environment. But the commitment shows from the top, Bab. So it's not enough that they put those people in place. But if the CEO or the president isn't enforcing the affirmative steps throughout, then it's not enough to just hire that DEI officer and let them sit down. They have to, it has to be streamed throughout all of the programming. I'm so glad you said that because that to me that just makes sense because it could be hand in hand instead of either exactly. or. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. It has to go all throughout. So so um during the pandemic, Tanya, ha, have have people reported more or less goings on that they're experiencing in the workplace? Uh, the stuff that you do in your office. Are people reporting um um uh, trouble and problems and uh, uh, work problems more or less as the pandemic because you know we we weren't in workspaces so right but you know discrimination is a funny thing it's going to show its ugly face no matter what the situation is right okay and so while the pandemic and and COVID affected everybody it affected the most vulnerable the most. Okay. So, you know, who was the first one that was let go as a result of the pandemic? You know, the most vulnerable. Who was the last one called back into the office? The most vulnerable. Who were the ones that weren't able to get the time off that they needed or weren't able to get, you know, sick leave? The most vulnerable. So we've seen um, an increase in cases. They're very nuanced cases because it's new law, new um, health issues. It's all kinds of things, you know, that we've seen. And so 
they're cases of first impression um, and we have to just see how they pan out in the court. And we've been hiring more staff as a result of it because we need more attorneys to research this, make certain that we're ahead of the curve. We can't, you know, people are coming to us for advice, so we have to be ready. Mm. And so now that um, corporations and businesses are requiring workers to come back to work, and people are feeling some kind of way about that, you know. Um, I imagine, do you get prepared for those kinds of shifts in the workforce? We do. And and it's going to be interesting because in the past, corporations have said you have to be in office in order to do the work. Well, the pandemic proved that you can you have do, to be. Do work from home, <laughs> right? And so now we have to redevelop. Maybe there are other ways to encourage the people to come back to work. There still is a need for in-person, you know, communications. There's still a large amount of population that doesn't have access to technology. And so they need in-person assistance. And um, those are challenges that we even are dealing with at CHRO with our staff because you know, we have to balance it out. We're doing so much increased outreach that we're getting more complaints, but we don't want the complainants to come to us to an empty office. Once they come, somebody has to help them, right? <laughs> and so it's a balance that we have to work out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So so you're having a real life situation just like other businesses and, just like and other, other entities. Businesses. Yes. yes. <laughs> How large is your staff these days, Tanya? We're about 85. Um, Whoa! I, about 85. When The last time I think I met with you, we were at 67. Wow. And so that's a big increase for us. We do a lot of work with such a small amount of people. Wow. But yeah, because we cover everything. Uh, affirmative action, employment discrimination, housing discrimination. Housing is one area that we saw a lot of um, movement during COVID because, you know, people were displaced. Um, a lot of them weren't able to get the extra assistance because they were already in arrears before the assistance was developed. You know, it was just a lot of complex issues um, mm-hmm. and then people not wanting to provide reasonable accommodations to them and delaying that. Um, so wow. everything is so layered. Well, I listen, I know uh, that in talking with your team that we're going to have you come on over a period of time so that we can take apart each of these things that y'all are working on um, for the benefit of the public so that they get a real sense of, okay, this is what they do. This is how they can help you. And, and just talk about these issues because I, I think, and I think, you know, you all do an amazing job of sort of putting out there, but I think, I don't think y'all have the time to sort of sit in all these spaces to talk about everything that you do. So you're going to come on this show. You're going to do it. (laughs) Use us. Help us help you. That's our model. We want to be in all the spaces. And you're right. We can't do it physically. But I, I have a great team. Anna is our outreach coordinator. She's bilingual. And she's really been very instrumental in helping us get into all the spaces. And thank you for accommodating us. We really appreciate it. Oh, that. no, I, you know, I adore you. I, mean, <laughs> I adore you too. <laughs> you know, I adore you. And, and I didn't see you on the vineyard this summer. So were you on the vineyard this I was summer? I 
here, but I got sick. Oh. Yeah, I had to quarantine the first week I was there. And so oh I my laid gosh. Can you believe that? No, I cannot. But if you got to be sick somewhere, girl. Hey, a <laughs> private beach, girl. It was all good. It was all good. Like, like you got to be sick somewhere. My That's it. That's pretty it. nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not mad at you because I normally I'll run into you on the video. Exactly. No, I was I there for out uh, the two, two weeks this year. Last year, yeah. I was there once for the jazz festival. Mm -hmm. And then I came back up for like straight vacation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. I oh, did yes, the two so. weeks, but I just laid low. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. a good place to do it. So. That's a good place to do are, it. Are you going back this year to Germany? Going make back this year. I'm ready and I, I'm going to stay healthy as best I can. <laughs> Listen, these are, these are challenging times right challenging now. COVID times. is still with us and yes, you know, we have to do all that we can. So, uh, Wow, it was so good to talk to you. I am glad oh, that we are fostering this relationship with uh, CHRO. And yes. uh, I look forward to you coming back on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Always and Merry to Christmas you. to you and your staff. Yes, Merry Christmas to you as well. Right. Talk. Thank you. All right. You. All right, everybody. That's Tanya Poole-Hughes, uh, Executive Director of the Commission on Human Rights and uh, for Connecticut. And uh, she's going to, you're going to see more of her because we're going to be talking about uh, what they do over there. So thank you, Tanya. Thank you. All right. Okay, Nora, play us out with some Christmas music. I'm out of here. I'll be back tomorrow because tomorrow's Friday. Y'all have a good day. And be careful on Nor'easter. So get to where you need to be before five, five o'clock before the weather starts to get all crazy. So y'all be safe. You too. Thank you, my dear. All right, Nora, thank you. Just keep